You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. So I initially sat down and I was just going to frame something out pretty, pretty briefly about today's scripture and then some other stuff kind of came out and it seemed to be a much bigger thing. So we'll see how it goes. Um, on December 14th, 2008, something seemingly both bizarre and hilarious happened at a press conference in Baghdad. President George W. Bush was giving a news conference with then-Iraqi President Nouri al-Maliki. And a journalist, an Iraqi one, an essential detail, named Muntandar al-Zaidi threw first one shoe, then another, at George W. Bush. While yelling, this is a farewell kiss from the Iraqi people, you dog. Now, a rather amusing clip of George W. Bush kind of bobbing and weaving like a boxer avoiding a uppercut kind of spread around the world in some of the earliest memes, I guess. And it was perceived in the West as either humorous or as a deadly serious physical attack on a leader of the free world. And even as a show of how unappreciative Iraqi people were of the liberation. Bush had so generously, you know, bestowed upon them in his generosity. Of course, the journalist was tortured, brought to trial, and imprisoned. Both reactions missed the point entirely. I mean, for one, they were just leather sandals. Even tossed with the skill of a major league baseball pitcher, they weren't going to cause much damage to Bush, save, possibly, for a much-needed wound to his pride and ego. Now, what actually is going on here? This is a really important context detail. Feet, and especially shoes, are seen as the epitome of uncleanness in the Middle East, okay? Feet and especially shoes are like the most offensive thing, all right, and the most impure thing. Now as a walker who hikes many miles in sandals in sweltering heat, I can attest feet get gross. Sweat and dust and dirt just equals nasty. When statues of Saddam Hussein were toppled around this time, people were seen to gather around the statue, take off their shoes, and smack Saddam Hussein's face with their sandal. Now, again, I don't really know a lot of Western news outlets who actually got the story right. It wasn't just a working out of frustration, which it was. It was also they were purposely doing the most offensive thing they could possibly do. Okay, it's a really key point here in order to understand the context of what's going on in the parable itself. So, again, one final thing here. Bush was a leader of an occupying country representing colonial values. Regardless of the necessity of toppling Sodom, we must accept as Americans that we were still a colonial occupying power. The symbol of our flag and all that it represents 
carry some incredibly heavy weight to a great number of people around the world. Okay, so that context is set. Let's return to the gospel. First, it highly likely wasn't actually 70 disciples. Yes? I think I forgot to read. <laughs> so we're going to pause there, if you would, and we're going to read the gospel and go ahead. I don't know what Chris was talking about. Thanks, John. Uh, Luke 10, 1 through 11. After this, the Lord appeared, appointed 70 others, and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into his harvest. Go on and see. I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of the wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, say first, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. If not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and people welcome you, eat what is set out before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, uh, we wipe off and protest against you. Uh, yet know this, the kingdom of God has come here. Okay, so remember what I said about a minute ago? Probably wasn't 70 disciples for real. Yeah, well, okay. So now we've got that whole context. That's the first time I've actually given a sermon without actually reading the, the thing first. Here we go. A new first. Awesome. Okay, back to what I was saying. For one, it highly likely wasn't actually 70 specific disciples. Seven in Jewish numerology generally means complete and holy. Okay? All that is complete and holy. So, for example, when it says you should forgive someone not seven times, but 70 times seven, they aren't actually saying that you need to forgive somebody exactly 490 times. It means that you need to forgive them continuously, all the time, ceaselessly, okay? So when it's talking about 70 people, it meant innumerable. Regular people just going out into the world. In a way, it's sort of the creation of this idea that we are to preach the gospel, all of us, out into the world. Okay? Now, what actually was the message? Maybe I'll start off by saying what the message wasn't. It wasn't evangelists on a street corner yelling at you. A. B. It wasn't lovely, friendly, kind Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses knocking at your door either. It wasn't people handing out Bibles. What actually did they do? If you go back to the scripture, maybe pay close attention to what they were actually doing. Um, in a sense, what we're talking about is hospitality. Deepening relationship, vulnerability, and shedding power, and finally, interdependence. They were preaching a gospel of at core, what hospitality represented in that society and what it could represent to us. So 
So how do we know it was these things? All right. For one, vulnerability and a shedding of power. Jesus says, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. He's framing the whole thing from the very beginning as a question of shedding power. Extreme vulnerability. Okay? Second, they carry no bag, which means they got no belongings. They have no extra clothes. They have nothing. All right? They have no purse, which meant they have no money. They, no bag, no purse, no money, no possessions, no nothing. No sandals. Now, they're not walking around without shoes on their feet. He's saying no extra sandals. No supplies. If your sandal breaks, you're stuck. You're intended to be vulnerable, dependent upon others. Finally, you're to greet no one on the way. You're not to have other people helping you out. You're not to have a whole group of you that's all going to be going as a community together from place to place. It's just you and a buddy, and you're entering a town without friends, without money, without supplies, without anything that you need. Now we've got hospitality. What is this hospitality going on here? Whoever welcomes you, remain there. That's a fundamental, you know, cultural underlying concept in the Middle East for millennia. The idea that you are to welcome whoever you greet along the way and welcome them into your home. And you're not going from home to home to home. You're not like staying for a night having, um, you know, dinner. You're not doing that, following that wonderfully Anglo-Saxon idea of like you shouldn't stay longer than three days because then you're just going to be a burden. No, you literally are in one spot for as long as you're there. You become a bit of a burden. You become a part of the family. They're feeding you, they're housing you, they're taking care of you. Because again, no money, no supplies, no nothing, all right? You're deepening relationship. Again, you're becoming a part of the family in this one spot, in this one town, for as long as you're there. And finally, interdependence and mutuality. You're fed and housed, but you don't just return the favor by giving out sermons or giving a list of beliefs or handing out Bibles or whatever. You're giving what people actually need. You're healing the sick. That's what they're told to do. That's all they're told to do is to go out. The only specific thing they're supposed to do besides being publicly vulnerable is to cure people. That's it. They're literally giving physical aid to actual people. That's, in a sense, this core of this message, what they're supposed to do. That's the preaching of the gospel. Direct physical aid to actual people that you know and that you're dependent upon. Now, this ethic of hospitality, I can't really sort of emphasize how important it is. It's foundational element of this culture. Life is fragile in a difficult and dangerous environment that a desert would be. Hospitality is essential, and you live in this interdependent web of mutual care. You receive and you give in equal measure. If you need hospitality, you receive it, knowing that you're going to give it back as soon as somebody else needs it. Because you never know when you're going to need it. In a society where life is fragile, where the colonial power can mess with you any way they want to at any time, you live on the edge. 
So you're supposed to be vulnerable to each other. Now, I want to emphasize this idea of hospitality runs throughout the entirety of the scriptures. One really powerful example is the um, story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the story of uh, the angels that came and visited, you know, Lot's family's house in that town. It's always told to queer people as an example of how um, homosexuality and specifically male homosexual sex is wrong. But the sin is not the actions they do against the angels. The sin is that they're doing any negative action against the angels in the first place. The angels show up and ask for hospitality. And when they're in the home, they're supposed to be welcome and protected. But the town doesn't do that. The town harms them, or at least tries to. It's not about the specific action. It's about the failure of seeing yourself in this mutual web of interdependence. And it's a failure of hospitality a failure of being vulnerable to each other. So, at the end, when they have this little thing where Jesus says, if they don't accept you, if this town in the Middle East doesn't actually uphold their own ethic of hospitality and they reject you, you are supposed to do the most, in some sense, offensive thing you can do literally shake the dirt from your feet to literally say that you are this is the lowest of the low you have broken the most important rule of our society you have not been hospitable and not only are we going to leave we're going to publicly leave and we're going to literally scrape off your dirt from our feet and leave because you've done the worst thing you possibly can do. Now, this story is sometimes taught as this sort of um, idea that either people accept Christian belief or they don't. That's this binary sort of separation. But yet, again, they're not preaching. What we're doing is we're injecting into the story assumptions that aren't there. What is there is incredibly obvious. They're being rejected and they're being told to go away. People without money, without supplies, without friends. Vulnerable people, they're being turned away. Now, if we think about this as sort of an example of what is this core message of the gospel? What are we supposed to do? The 70 of us that are sent out into the world to preach the gospel. We're required to reject ideas of power. We're required to reject ideas of invulnerability. We're required to reject ideas of absolute independence. Instead, Jesus Christ is saying that we've got to be about mutuality. 
interdependence, vulnerability, giving up power, and hospitality. So when we celebrate July 4th and all that it represents, what do we celebrate? If we're representing power and independence and the ability to do anything on our own and connected to that, imposition of power, the ethics of capital, colonialism, then maybe you might consider throwing your shoe at it. Maybe you want to reimagine what you're celebrating on July 4th. However, there's this other message that we've seemed to have forgotten lately in our society, at least many of us. If who we are is about welcoming your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, if we're about hospitality, welcoming in refugees, welcoming in those who need our help, if it's about the interdependence of a people unified to make a society where we all can thrive, then sure, eat some hot dogs tomorrow, wave a flag, just don't eat veggie hot dogs, they're, they're kind of nasty. Go for the veggie sausages instead. <laughs> and the people say amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.